to another episode of Radio Contra, coming at you live from the Gorilla Camp, located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina, and I've got an awesome interview right now, um, sitting here with Kay from Combat Studies Group, a guy that I know probably some of you are familiar with, and all of you out there should be familiar with, because he is an absolute expert in the field of technological tradecraft, the operational end of signals intelligence. I had him in class when I was out west. We had an incredible time. Teaches his ground rod course series that we're going to be talking about um, in depth in this episode. Brother, what's up, man? What's up, brother? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, man. It's it's, uh, getting... The, the spice is uh, is is bubbling over, it looks like. Well, you know what they say, the spice must flow. Um, and it's flowing. <laughs> ah, famous words from Frank Herbert from yep. Dune. But yeah, it's it's um, Ukraine. So kind of uh, bringing some of the current events into it. We've had uh, significant activities past uh, 24 hours. Uh, of course, yesterday, past 48 hours, we had a mortar shell that somehow um, went into a uninhabited kindergarten. The first reports were that, that there were kids in this place. The later reports were saying there were no kids in this place. It was an empty kindergarten. Um I thought that this was really interesting to me because uh, when mortar shells hit stuff, I mean, I've been rocketed a bunch of times. I know you have, too, been on the receiving end of indirect fire overseas. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there's such a thing as blast over pressure that blows out windows and such. Um, and they didn't have any of that. So I don't know. I'm a little suspect. I'm a little suspect. But um of course, there was also the security chief in Donetsk, uh, who is a Ukrainian government official. His uh, vehicle was blown up uh, out in the parking lot. He was not in it, but um, it was detonated. Nonetheless, I got a picture of the aftermath of that that is up on AmericanPartisan.org if you want to check that out and uh, see that along with a couple of press releases. And Russia is now evacuating um, people who are who consider themselves Russian in that part of far eastern Ukraine. Of course, that region has been in contest since 2014. Uh, Those people Mm -hmm. consider themselves 
to be part of Russia, still part of Russia uh, culturally. That is the hegemon um, of that area. And so this is really shaping up to be a, a spicy situation. I know uh, Brandon is supposed to be talking here soon about all of it. Um, you know, who knows what that dude is going to say. But uh, anyway, what you need to know, though, is all of these significant activities are coming together. The the spice is kind of um, really building up. And what we're going to be talking about in this episode is things that you really need to be focusing on right now to better prepare you for the scenarios that look like they're shaping up and and how this is going to unfold and how this is going to affect uh, all of us. And hopefully doesn't. You know, we pray for the best, but we got to prepare for the absolute worst. Uh, so, brother, give me your breakdown of the situation as a former uh, special operations uh, team member, as a, uh, a former guy in the intelligence agencies and, and in that uh, part of, of the world and, and that expertise. Break all of this down for us. Where do you see this stuff going? Well, I, you know, I, I can't honestly remember uh, ever seeing this, this level of uh, concerted disinformation. And, you know, kind of coming from all sides um, and specifically our, our side, if I can say our side, um, the administration side. It uh, it's so hard to ferret out the truth right now, um, and I, you know, I'm I'm waited I'm waiting with bated breath to see what the sock puppet in Washington has to say. Uh, but <laughs> it, yes, it's uh, you got to kind of step back almost and look at it from uh, an analytical point of view, looking at. Who, okay, who's who's going to gain from this and who's going to lose from this? I mean, who 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 are the the guys actually playing this chessboard? And you know, to me, it's pretty clear that the the you know whether you want to call it the administration or the deep state or the the Davos crowd, uh, you know, whatever you want to label that that shady entity, they they have a lot to gain from uh, you know a world war type of situation coming to pass um if for no other reason they they're in need of a good distraction right now because they've they've got some some reckoning heading their way with all this covid stuff um and that, and that's kind of breaking into the mainstream consciousness if you will uh and you know not just in the, the alex jones circles but you know, I mean, just in the last week, what have we had two female reporters on on a live stream just collapse after rallying over, you know, how many shots they've had and, and shaking yeah. their fists at the at the dirty, filthy, unvaccinated. Um, yeah, there was a couple of reporters and uh, Heather McDonald, uh, somebody yeah. <laughs> posted up the video over on the forum of uh, Heather McDonald, she's a comedian um kind of she runs around with chelsea handler so that ought to tell you everything you need to know uh, -huh. uh yeah. right there but you know she right. she made a joke Press about man. how she's had like four boosters or something and she just falls over yeah. um <laughs> like well, well it, there's it, your sign and not only that she she basically engages in blasphemy 
right before she falls over. And it, yeah, you know, and I kind of I, I look at my kids and I'm like, what what do you take away from that? And they're like, wow, you should be careful how you invoke the name of Jesus, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. One thousand percent. You know, it, it when you when you say, hey, strike me down, you <laughs> might get it. You might just get it. And yeah. it, it, that the timing is, is just impeccable. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's this serves a lot of interests. And I mean, there, there's the whole pipeline issue, um, you know, Nord Stream. There's there's a lot of kind of geopolitical issues that have been building up. Um, not the least of which is the the constant uh, progression of NATO, you know, inching towards towards Russia, and uh, you know the Russians have always had an issue with that, and they continue to have an issue with it. And 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 I get it, I understand why. Um, I mean, the whole point of NATO was to counter, you know, the growth of Russia and the influence of Russia, um, or originally yeah. the Soviet Union, but. Um, yeah, so it's you know, and we in we're flying in, I mean, countless amounts of uh, weapons right now into Ukraine. We're moving troops into Eastern Europe. Um, you know, th- this is the type of stuff that starts starts wars, and the fact that we have embassies closing and ambassadors being uh, either recalled or kicked out, and their families. I mean, th- you know, we've seen this before in history. And we've also seen uh, this this type of, you know, I'll call it a false flag all the way back to World War One. Look what kicked off World War One. Look at Vietnam, the Gulf of Tonkin, the Spanish-American War and the uh, the ship they sunk. And, and, you know, this is not to sound conspiratorial, but this this stuff's pretty well documented. And, you know, they have a track record of using this these these types of techniques to to sway public opinion in their favor and, and get what they want it's it's really nothing new and and frankly it's just naivety uh for people at this point to not even consider that not to look into that um and yeah you know and i i get that less from people now but i still get it periodically and it's just like well you know if if you're getting a a 24/7 stream from CNN and NBC then uh of course you're not going to think right you're not because you're 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 not getting information you're getting propaganda um, right and you know i think that it's really funny growing up you know it when when uh growing up kind of lower middle class you know not not quite poor but definitely not in the in the upper middle class but we didn't you know we didn't have cable or anything like that so we had abc nbc and cbs that was it and mm-hmm. uh, pbs as well which you know might as well be state propaganda and it you know it, that that was what you had and so it was the illusion of choice when i was growing up and we didn't pay any attention to it and i remember uh, the first time that I encountered foreign media was uh, listening to shortwave radio was the British Broadcasting Service or British Broadcasting Company, BBC, and mm-hmm. uh, listening to their their uh, nightly world news service over shortwave and thinking, you know, they 
they don't have independent media, but we do have independent media. And when I got older, I realized, um, as you know, we, we all do, and, and we actually get outside of the, the hegemony of the United States and, and we live in other corners of the world uh, mm. operationally. And you realize that we are the exact same. It, it's simply the illusion of choice. You have Viacom. You have Universal, which owns NBC. Viacom, of course, owns CBS. Uh, early on, it was Paramount. And, you know, you have Disney that owns ABC and now Fox as well. So you have your major news outlets. And, of course, uh, uh, with CNN, you had originally Turner Broadcasting, which has now uh, been sold several times and it's owned by AT&T. You have an illusion of choice and those corporate interests are giving you a, a a specific agenda they have an agenda behind what they do and that is uh -huh. why they they pr they uh promote the news to you in a very specific way and if you'll notice o over time i know that you've seen this too that you know with with a lot of the alternative media the growth of the alternative media uh in its genesis with shortwave radio and then how it it is you know the internet just exploded um, you know, e even uh, with with just the proliferation of talk radio and Rush Limbaugh and all, all the uh, conservative pundits that came from him uh, were, were heavily influenced by him. You had a different take on things, or at least on a certain level, you had a different take on things. But yeah. when it was time in, and in sociological terms, we call this uh, a superordinate goal. In times of duress, when, when there's unrest, when the, the political parties are, are going in separate directions and there's real fractures that are occurring between various groups due to infighting or, or whatever the case is, you have a, a larger goal, which is known as a superordinate goal, and it's supposed to bring the, the mass base back together. You know, 9-11 did that. Uh, it, it brought everybody back together. They put aside their their political squabbling uh -huh. for a for a little while, for for about a year. We had right. you know kind of unity and message and everything, and then after that, that was over. I think that era right. is done though. I think with with you know they they tried the same song and dance with six January. That didn't work. Um, if if anything, that fractured everything even worse because of the way that they went about it. Um, you have the, the trucker strike, the mass, you know, what I call the, the honking, uh, in Canada, which is another, and then I know that's Canadian, but that's another indicator of it that you have the mat. There is no coalescing this mass base back together. And I think going back to what you said in the beginning about how the Davos crowd, the Bilderbergs, the, the, what I call the power elite, the people who have habitually maintain the reins of power. These are the CEOs of those same corporate entities that benefit the most from, from creating war. Yeah. And yeah. now you're, you're, you know, we, we see the big picture. They're putting all that together. They're desperately trying to keep the global awakening from occurring. They're trying to keep uh, us from becoming aware of, of the real dichotomy. That's there. And, and I don't know, man, I, I don't think that it's going to work. Well, it, it for. I guess uh, this 
probably the term I want to use, but for lack of a better one, the, the true believers out there uh, uh, on our side, um, it, you're not going to change our minds. We, nope. you know, we, we, we see you. We, it's, it's like, the, I love that movie. They live. <laughs> we put on the glasses yes. and we, we see you. You can't put that genie. Yeah. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. It's out, man. And, you know, so they're not, they're not going to have any luck, uh, with these freedom convoys. And it's not just Canada, man. It's in Australia. It's in New Zealand. It's in the Netherlands. It's in France. It's in the UK. It's exploding. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of the, the epicenter of it is the, the, you know, these working class people, um, because they're the ones that are, that are taking the hit the hardest, you know? Um, and especially with all this, you know, shutdown nonsense we've been dealing with over the last couple of years, which had nothing to do with, you know, viral concerns. It was just, it was control. It was a, it was a power grab. Uh, and it was a pretty, it was a pretty effective one. Um, but yeah, they, they've lost control of the narrative. They absolutely have. And, you know, we're, when you see people like Bill Maher starting to question things and, and go, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, who's a pretty hardcore leftist, you know, it, it's maybe time for them to be concerned that, yeah, they, and they see that, um, it, you know, Mar. it's interesting you bring up Mar because Mar's only going to go so far with his, uh-huh. his contracts with HBO and, you know, his, his comfortable station in life. He is absolutely aware of his role that he plays and he's, he's uh-huh. only going to go so far, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, which that news has completely been erased. Um, you yeah. know, everybody's already, we're, we're literally a week removed from that incident and nobody remembers it, uh, yeah. which is significant to me in, in, for a number of reasons. But when, when you have these people who are questioning the official narrative on a, a wide variety of different topics that that is very very scary to the people who are maintaining the levers of power just like in they live you know you pull the sunglasses off and you know uh-huh. it's, it's time for rowdy rowdy piper to pull that shotgun out you know yep. <laughs> it's it's the last thing that that they want how do you put that genie back in the bottle um because their legitimacy is now a question they they have, you know, where, wherever people stand on the election, you know, you and I know that, that some fuckery occurred in that election. Yep. It's <laughs> undeniable, yeah. right? It, and, and A little bit, yeah. Just a hair, right? Just as, but even <laughs> if there is a question of legitimacy, I think that it's very funny that, that in Iraq and in Afghanistan, where I observed elections, right, where I saw a civilian populace going to vote and they dip their hands in henna so that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's legitimate and they had to show an ID and it was pretty much understood that if, you know, any, any view of impropriety, right. Any question of legitimacy of this election and all hell was going to break loose and they didn't do it. You know, it, it was, right. it, and it was, you know, it came down to partisan lines, of course, as, as it should. That's the way that a republic should function. But right. because it, that, that's the way that it's supposed to function. And yet what we see with mass corruption, 
um, from both political parties. And, and we're entering a time where really neither political party is uh, offering a competent solution because they're both in it together. You know, the, the, yeah. the curtain yeah. has been ripped back on that. And, and that's been part of the, the kind of awakening process, I think, especially on the, the so-called right, is this this horrific recognition of the fact that the GOP is not on their side. The GOP is on the GOP side. Right. And, it, and that's it. I mean, I could literally hold up fingers on one hand to count the people in D.C. that I think are honestly good, you know, legislators or good lawmakers. And that right. that's pretty sad. Um, it, you know, I don't, I hate to say it, I don't see, a, a, you know, vote your way out of this uh, solution, especially based on what we saw in 2020. Um, yeah. And what, you know, you, you brought up the, you know, the watching the vote happen in Iraq. And, you know, the interesting thing to kind of take away from that is, um, there, there's a level of savagery in in that population, uh, you know, in the Middle East in general, um, that you don't have in the United States by and large. Um, and so they they recognize that they have these domesticated animals, and so you can get away with a lot with a domesticated animal. You know, I can uh, I can torture a domestic cat quite a quite a bit before he he finally bleeds me. Um, but you know the the bobcat in the, out in the woods is, is just going to tear me up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, it, that's, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, we've, we've got to get people to kind of, you know, and I'm, I really, I'm kind of walking a fine line here. I'm not, not advocating anything. I'm just, I'm just making some observations that, uh, you know, people, people got to kind of recognize the reality that they find themselves in currently. Um, and, look to realistic solutions um you know and as as my my friend pete at western rifles says local 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 there's nothing i can really do about the situation in the beltway i don't live there i live very far from there and you know i i can't influence or or really affect any kind of meaningful change there but i can in my local community, maybe at the municipal level or the county level or what have you, or, you know, heck, maybe my neighborhood. Um, and that's really where people got to start focusing. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, <clears throat> when, uh, when, when I was growing up and, you know, you have civics class, which at some point became social studies, uh, probably about the same time that Howard Zinn textbooks started showing up. Yeah. But it was always explained in those, like the second grade, third grade, fourth grade level, what have you, that a republic works best at the most local level. That, that's how it was explained to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even even in a child's mind, that that makes perfect sense. And, you know, the, the same is absolutely true now. So the, the most perfect form of a republic and of people having a say is when their their politicians directly answer to the people. And so it was always presented the, the example of, of uh, the colonial New England town hall, 
where they had, you know, a municipality had representatives that were chosen among the populace. They lived there, but they also had to answer directly to the people. And, you know, if they were going to make a bad decision or something, you know, they, they made a decision on something and, and it all went sideways, they, they knew that, that at worst you were going to get ostracized from the community. And that literally meant death in that yeah. era, you know, t- talking yeah. about, uh, you know, that that period of 1680s to probably about 1780 or so, where if, if you got ostracized, you, you didn't get caught alone um, out out in the wild. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's when things function the best. Our, our direct correlate to that today is, you know, your, your local county commissioners meeting. And we're seeing that we're seeing the, the uh, at least from from my observation, we're seeing that with school board meetings. Uh-huh, and that's why time. the Department of Justice was so quick to say, oh, the, the people that go there, those parents are terrorists. Right. They, they love to use that terrorist label right. when it's nothing of the sort. They're simply asking questions. And when and we can't ask questions now. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Well, it, it, what, what cracks me up is is. And it, it was kind of the 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 underlying theme of Orwell's 1984 was, you know, with all the stuff going on in that story, really that the crux of it was their change, their constant changing of the language, the constant shifting of what words meant. And we see that right, right now. And so, you know, they, they've learned to I mean, they created the term conspiracy theory as a way to just as soon as they throw that out there, it just flips the switch off in people's heads. Oh, well, I can just dismiss that. It's a conspiracy theory. And people don't want it to touch them, just like uh, the R word, racist. Oh, God, there's nothing worse than being called that. Uh, You know, it's just silly. And it it dampens critical thinking. It dampens, you know, uh, debate. And, and, you know, we're left with the situation we're in where there is no debate. We we have – there's no conversation to be had with the left at this point. There really isn't. Um, Yeah. Because they're they're not going to converse with us. They just aren't. They're not interested in it. Um, no, I mean the mask debate was perfect. That perfect example of authoritarianism. Um, you know the era of the the live and let live. At you know question authority. That that variant of the left. That's over. That's done. Um, that's an old idea. These these people are seeking nothing more than a raw power grab. And you don't question anything. Uh, that's why they say that, you know, the science is settled. And anybody is familiar with the scientific method knows the science, quote unquote, the science is never settled. Anybody who's uh-huh. ever, you know, submitted a white paper for peer review knows the science is not settled. We're constantly doing research on things to retest theories, retest statistics, compare uh, yeah. new data with old. There's no there's no such thing as the science is settled. And, you know, but but yet, you know, we all have to wear a mask because why not? Which they're rolling back now because COVID is apparently over. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's over and done with. Well, yeah. And I mean, my God, could this could this action right now be any more transparent? It's like they're all following the same cue cards. Pretty much all blue states suddenly drop their mask mandates because we're coming into the the midterms and 
they know they're in trouble. Yep. Um, and they yep. know that it's at the forefront of the kind of the public consciousness that uh, something something's amiss with the voting system. And so they're kind of wringing their hands, I think, going, we actually maybe need to legitimately try to win this and not tamper with the votes too much because uh, there's a real high likelihood we're going to get caught. I mean, they got caught last time, but it's right. They've been able to kind of tamp it down because of their absolute control over the media apparatus. Uh, I think it's last time I checked, it was five companies. Five companies run ninety percent of all media in the world. Yep. Um, you know, and and you know, what else do you need to know? That that pretty much says it all right there. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... A hundred percent. And and they're they're desperately trying to control the narrative and, and their own monster that they created with the manipulation of social media has, I believe, in some ways has bit them because it's made conventional media, which is is controlled, uh, mostly obsolete. And uh-huh. that that immediate need for uh, news of of you know, whatever information flow, I guess, however you want to call it, um, has really made the, even the 24 hour news cycle, which was revolutionary in its genesis about, you know, uh, 1996 or so. Yeah. It began mm-hmm. with CNN, you know, three right. decades ago or a little bit further removed than that. But, you know, it came to the forefront in, in the mid to late nineties. Um, and, and, you know, now even even they're becoming obsolete. So it, it's very, very interesting. And, and now, you know, journalism schools have their legitimacy questioned as well. And, and that's only going to become more and more constant as, as the power of independent platforms are really at the grassroots level are now um, taking the forefront and it's taking the power away from the corporate entities and the only i I believe the the only card that they have left is to try to shut all that down or at least at some level co-opt it which is kind of looks like what what they've been attempting to do yeah and this is where you get uh you know phenomena like uh gab the gab uh social platform which uh a guy named andrew torba out of uh pennsylvania set up uh christian family man good guy um and he quickly recognized uh the the beast he was up against as they were deplatformed from not only their server service uh but their uh, domain name system uh they were debanked they were i mean every single aspect of infrastructure that was required for that website to exist was pulled out from under them very rapidly um and so they they had to build their own infrastructure from the ground up they've they've actually kind of created their own payment system now too um and so they were doing something right because they were drawing so much flack and yet you had these other uh quote-unquote social media platforms for the right or for the conservatives pop up like parlor and getter and you know so there's yeah. a couple others and they were not kicked off the Google Play Store. They were not kicked off the Apple Store. They were not deplatformed. They were not debanked. They're controlled right. opposition. They're controlled opposition. Um, and people right. quickly found out that, oh, there isn't actually free speech there because if I say these couple things, I get kicked off again, just like you would on Twitter. Um, 
and, and we're seeing that now with the, the controversy that's perpetually surrounded YouTube and, and the power that, that YouTube uh-huh. has over that. And, and there's, it's an interesting uh, question that, that a lot of people have had. I, I myself have had over who is going to be the heir apparent to YouTube. Um, I know that, that Tim over at a military arms channel was, was trying to kind of build something that catered to the gun community with full 30 and uh-huh. he learned pretty quickly that that is it, it is a gargantuan task to oh, yeah. undertake. And, um, you know, it, it, I don't know what the status of that project is, but I think it, it kind of stalled out because the gun community, by and large, is kind of circular. And it, it it's when you, there has to be something other than that. And and a lot of people have now realized that. Uh, that that just because you're into guns, that's not that's neither a starting point nor an end point. That's just a genre. That's just something you are interested in. That is not a uh, political affiliation, as left wing groups have yeah. now embraced being armed, and and yep. you know that that's really come to a forefront as the training ground in the Rojava region of Syria. Um, you know. With the YPG, they set they literally set up an international school for uh, they they called it the International Brigade, and they were taking uh-huh. volunteers. Antifa and its its contemporary forms started in Germany, and they were sending volunteers to their academy, which was a literally a guerrilla training camp where they would get right. three weeks of political indoctrination, tactics, and training. And then then it would go live. They, they would go live. They were fighting ISIS. And once all of that shut down for a litany of different reasons that were pretty interesting, um, they returned home to their various places. Uh, right. A lot of them came to the United States. And that, that serves as the training cadre for a larger guerrilla force. You know, and we're, we're talking about now we're five to seven years removed from that. It's a complete paradigm shift. You've got uh, John Brown Gun Club. You've got Redneck yep. Revolt. You've got yep. you know, Huey P. Newton. You, you've got all of these groups that are openly armed. And so for a lot of conservatives, they're looking at that kind of the I don't want to use this term, but uh, I, I kind of have to. I don't have another term for it. But a lot of the a lot of the, the FUD crowd. That's that's kind of been into the gun community for a long time. They look at that and they're like, "Oh, those guys can't. They're not capable of doing nothing." It's like, look, you don't understand. They have proper organization. They have training, but the most important thing is they are motivated and they are young. And you have guys who are, you know, mid twenties to mid thirties. That is prime age for a train to have a training cadre because they've got a lot of the stupid stuff out of their system. The childish stuff is out of their system and they have a maturity that they're bringing to the table and they have a final objective that they are working towards. On top of that, they have overhead security in the, the DA's office and a lot of jurisdictions here in the States. You know, we saw that uh, two summers ago that a lot of these agitators would do stuff. They're very effective in their propaganda, and then they're turning around and, and they're they're released. They get rolled up, they immediately get released. Charges get dropped, and people wonder why. Uh-huh. 
Well, and, and that's a that makes a significant difference in these two camps when, uh, you know, the camp on the left has is that kind of top cover. And, uh, you know, we don't. We really don't in any way, shape or form. Um, and, you, you know, and I, I'm glad you kind of took us down this path because I was I was just thinking, you know, uh, being being into guns does not mean what it once did. Uh, like you were saying, you know, it, it like <laughs> the guys from Black Rifle Coffee, those jackasses that, you know, <laughs> look at what look at what they did. Um you know, so it, and 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 now they're on the friggin' stock exchange. You know, they're being publicly traded. Would that be allowed if that was a, honestly a a right a a company from the right? Do you think they would be allowed to be publicly traded? Like, oh hell no! no. Come on, that's no, yeah, no. yeah. It, it, they they're it, all about making money. That that's it. That's yeah. that's a hundred percent. And how how did they get to their IPO? How did they get to mm-hmm. their uh, the the you know the the nuts and bolts? And I'm not gonna you know a lot of our listeners probably know you know who who's all wrapped up in all that mm-hmm. um, you know and and I know that you have a lot of personal experience with the individuals in question as well, um, but you know they they don't have a political ideology. They they just sought to to capitalize on underlying culture to sell an inferior product that's exactly what they did that's all they've done that's you know and they got the taco bell man to be their ceo and and kind of run the day-to-day operations yeah 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 and it's and again uh your point about the john brown gun club and you know the i still see you know when i'm out teaching my shooting courses, people laughing and joking about, you know, what are these lefties going to do? You know, hug a tree or eat some granola or, you know, the, the stuff you always hear. And it's just like, don't do that, man. Do not do right. that. I mean, that, that is like, a, that's a fundamental of warfare. One Oh one. Don't understand. Don't underestimate your enemy. Okay. No. And make no mistake. You know, you, you may not think they're really your enemy. They think you are their enemy. Yep. Okay, so you got to have some clarity on that. You know, you you may not have uh, animus towards them. You, you know, and and it's kind of a a hallmark of the right that we come from the camp of live and let live. You know, and there's that right. whole golden golden rule thing because, well, go figure, we're predominantly Christian, um, or at least you know people have some kind of adherence to that uh, to that standard, and right. the left is not, and you know, less people forget the the ideology that the left is embracing has killed more people, more human beings than any other ideology in history. You yep. know, um, and you can call it Marxism or socialism or communism or whatever flavor. And from my point of view, it's kind of a hybridization of, of several aspects of all of those, including some fascist attributes. Um you know, it's it's kind of a fairly unique monster and a, a particularly nasty one. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it it and it's fomenting and and Antifa. I know for a lot of people, Antifa and and uh, the the real threat of the ground level 
left has subsided a little bit uh, because they're not necessarily in the forefront in all cases. But I promise you, you know, I'll say on this podcast, as I've said to a lot of people in person, this is their reorganization phase right, right now. They had uh-huh. they they had direct action occurring to a certain level um, because they had rules of engagement. Okay, this this was uh-huh. going on in the background. They had rules of engagement that you did not step past because if they did, and, and the way that I explain this to to folks when they ask is that if they step past a certain level of agitation that top head cover goes away and uh-huh. that's that's gonna gonna slowly um well now maybe the da isn't gonna grant you bail right now uh-huh. now they're not gonna make a plea agreement with you maybe now they're not gonna uh, give you your hundred dollars in a sandwich you know like that's that's not gonna happen now and you're going to be fed to the wolves in the prison system because the prisons are organized based on high risk inmates. And, you know, they, they categorize different offenders in different ways. It's, it's, it's a way to manage the, the correction system. And they're going to feed you to gangland that that prison that, that you know, you're, you're going there. That's that's where you're going to go because you're going to be declared as part of that. And they're really feeding, you know, you, you take a kid who's, you know, probably a little strung out on drugs or whatever. Uh, that's how they kind of got to that ideology. They got indoctrinated to it. It's some half-assed university somewhere. And then next thing you know, they're getting fed to the wolves. They, they've lived a, a comfortable or mostly comfortable life up until that point. They think they're hard till they get around some guys who actually are hard and, it doesn't go well and, and it's not going to be pretty uh, for these guys. So they know, and, and, and they're scared of that. And so they, they know exactly how far they can go. But like this, this uh, guy that's running for mayor of Louisville just the other day, who this is, this is a very bizarre case. If anybody's uh, not familiar with it, um, the, uh, the, the guy that's running for mayor of, of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, he's uh, I think his name's Greenberg. And he, quote unquote, survived an assassination attempt, which I think is the most botched assassination attempt ever. Um, the the guy, uh, his last name is Brown. He was a, a BLM writer for, I think, I think the University of Kentucky. But I have to go back and look. I'm speaking off the cuff here. But um, he he shoots at the guy who is the mayoral candidate. Doesn't uh-huh. hit him, but somehow puts a hole in his sweater. Um, doesn't <laughs> injure anybody else. You got, I mean, you got to see this, man. It, it's it's the most bizarre story. Uh, it, it looks completely fake to me. But Sounds like it was same, written by Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's just this is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's significant because it may be a precursor of the next step. We're going to look at uh, now there, there may be real assassinations of local level politicians or people who are running for office. We've already uh-huh. had political violence that's occurred uh, here in North Carolina. We had a Republican office uh, campaign office in here in central North Carolina that got torched. 
and that was quietly kind of brushed under the rug. You know, we they didn't they certainly drug their feet on that one. And that happened not too far from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where, you know, you, you've got uh, leaders of redneck revolt that are right there. You, you know, University of Chapel Hill has, you know, at least one of the face cards. If, if we were uh, doing a, a who's who mapping out of, of redneck revolt as an insurgency organization, uh, wow. This professor who chased down, right, we all know who James Fields is, right, he, he uh, in his uh, Dodge Challenger, drove into the crowd at, at uh, uh-huh. uh, Charlottesville, and he was being chased by a guy with an AR-15 saying, I'm going to shoot you, right, and the fat girl fell over and had a heart attack, and, and now uh-huh. that guy's in prison for that, well, you know, and, and, and he got keel-hauled, now, we can make the argument he never should have been there, that's my argument, you ever should have been there. Nothing productive was going to occur from any of that. But at the same time, you know, he was, doesn't change any of the facts. But you've, you've got this guy. And that guy that chased him was a University of North Carolina Chapel Hill political science professor. He's still there. He didn't get any disciplinary action. He's talked to Vice News. He's talked to a few other mainstream, virulently left-wing outlets. And he's openly saying, hey, I'm armed. This is my guerrilla band. You know, he's he's got a picture posing with with a few of the people and they're all armed. They're not blocking their faces out or none of the, the trade craft things that, you know, you or I would do. None uh-huh. of that stuff because they're bragging on it. Right. Yeah. They're bragging on this stuff. And so I think what we're going to see as as things progress is is they're definitely going to ratchet up their violence several notches when things start to go sideways and they continue to deteriorate. And, you know, as we both pointed out, they are absolutely on this path. They are, we're absolutely on this path. If you look at the, um, the insurgency pyramid, and I want everybody to look this up out there. I want you to look up the insurgency pyramid. You can find it. If you look at the, uh, Eris or, um, uh, uh, Alpha Romeo India Sierra Eris Insurgency Pyramid. You're going to see a couple of versions. There's a, uh, a 1965 version, which I like a little bit better. And then there's the modern version, which is it kind of complicates things a little bit. And I want you to just look at each level of that and see where you think that we are in, in a timeline of events of all these things as it slides into overt warfare. We're right there. I mean, the, the top three rungs of the pyramid are overt warfare, the overt warfare phase until you get to the top, which is a negotiated settlement. However, that turns out right. Conclusion of hostilities. And this was uh-huh. written by people who professionally study insurgencies. Right. So you got to you got to look at all that stuff. And, and that is where we are. Yeah. And uh, Matt Bracken's he's commented a lot on this and and made some really good points, um, you know, especially over the last year. Um, and you know, the '60s in particular was like it was like the grassroots origin point for kind of the structure we currently see with these groups, you know. Not to mention right. the fact that it, it, you know, you've got people in political office now that were uh, convicted terrorists in, in those organizations like the, you know, the Weather Underground and uh, right. Black Panthers and some of these other groups. 
Um, they, they occupy levels of influence, which uh-huh. honestly are even more dangerous because they don't have to run for reelection. They're, they're advisors. You know, we yeah. had eight years of Obama and his academic advisor and the guy who got him his first job at University of Chicago was none other than William Ayers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, but again, it, 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 you know, it really does go back to the whole top cover thing. They, they've got it and we don't. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's dangerous ground that we're treading in. So shifting gears a little bit, we, we've, we've identified kind of the, the global situation. We've narrowed it down to the domestic situation that is, you know, culminating. And, and this isn't meant to be fear porn. This is just, this is a sober analysis of what is. From two guys that, that have a substantial amount of experience in, in places that um, have been fraught with this kind of thing and, and professional studies in all of this. Look, it, you know, this is this is why we do what we do. So in pointing all this out, kind of going back to the Ukrainian example, this stuff is spiraling out of control, whether there's going to be an invasion of Ukraine or not or, or what the, the uh, tit for tat actions you know, the, the pendulum, so to speak, you know, the direction everything's going. Um, in your estimation, what do you think that we can expect as a retaliatory measure here domestically in the United States? Well, I, well, that's a, that's a tough crystal ball to look into. Um, and, and mostly because there's so many there's so many options on the table um, from cyber attacks, because, you know, let's face it, no one in the world is more reliant on infrastructure and technology than the United States. Um, I mean, if if we were to, let's say, you know, worst case scenario, have our grid completely shut down, the the loss of life would absolutely be staggering within the first week. And that's without really any hostilities, any kinetic action. That's just, you know, literally the power going out. Um, I, I think orders of magnitude more than you would see in, in any other given country um, because of the, the just a massive reliance. Um, so cyber attack is a concern. And I almost hate bringing it up because it's, you know, it's like this dog whistle the left constantly uses in their, in their you know, they're endless Russia, 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 um, you know, going back to the steel dossier and all that crap. But I, you know, I honestly can't rule out, uh, you know, some, some missile strikes. I, I actually, I, I hate saying that and again, I'm not trying to fear porn people, but that's stuff that's on the table and, and it's stuff that, unlike what Hollywood has programmed every, into everyone's head, uh, you know, a nuke cooking off somewhere doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean everybody dies. It doesn't mean it's all hopeless. You know, yeah. it, it, it's imminently survivable. I mean, it, I can't remember who I was just reading an article the other day and it was one of the last, uh, survivors from Hiroshima that was within 800 meters of the blast. And he was still alive. And he, he was talking about how survivable it was. And, you know, he took action. He got behind some thick cover. And so he didn't get a flash injury or a blast injury. And uh, he took steps to mitigate fallout. And 
so he he was he was actively looking out for his continued survival, you know, um, and that's that's always going to be a key takeaway. You can't let apathy creep in, and and you know, a nuke going off. I don't want to say it's not a big deal because it is, but there are steps you can take. There are steps that there's plenty of documentation that covers this. I for a while in my in my military career, I was a NBC NCO, uh, so I've been trained in this. Um, and, you know, having things on hand like KIO3 or KI pills or Lugol solution, some kind, some form of safe iodine uh, so you can avoid, uh, you know, iodine fallout. Um, yep. And that's been one of the, the biggest sellers uh, sitting here. I, I literally just had Bob Griswold calling me uh, in the middle of this podcast, but uh, you know, Bob Griswold run ready-made resources, but uh-huh. you know, I talk with him frequently and he can't keep it in stock. Uh, that yeah. is right now that and night vision, of course, are uh-huh. the two biggest ticket items that people are buying. They are flocking to because, you know, they, they're like, Hey, you know, and night vision, which I know that's something, uh, when the last time we, we were together face to face, you know, we were talking about closing that technological gap that there's a lot of uh, folks out there that, you know, own, you know, night vision, it's whatever. And, you know, all these things like, look, it's a game changer. OK, mm-hmm. it, it is something yeah. you absolutely if if. All right. So you've, you've got five AR-15s. Good job. Clap your hands. You, you can't shoot all those at once. Sell off the other four. Right. Sell off those other four. Go buy you some night vision. Okay. Go buy you some quality night vision, uh, a Gen 3 unit that you can utilize. You know, PVS 14 is is what you know I go for because that that is the most versatile dual tube units are are great. Um, Mm -hmm. like the you know, one of the ones that that you've got the and and you know, get a good IR laser. There's a lot of options Mm -hmm. now. You know, we were talking about uh, you know, IR lasers that are not going to break the bank. Ironically, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, kind of an imminent uh, possible hot war with Russia. Uh, but the, the Russian IR laser unit, the PERST-4 or PERST-4, is mm-hmm. really a, an incredible option for under $500. It, it really is. Uh, I, in fact, I mean, I, w- I would take it, honestly, I'd take something like a PERST-3 with the illuminator over a... Uh, a B.E. Myers mall. Um, it's it's going to outperform it. It's going to outperform it. I mean, and the mall, the mall kind of has a cult following because it's it's the cool, you know, the cool guys are using it and and it's it's got the big price tag. So it must be better. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. <clears throat> you know, I used them all for uh, a while until I discovered, you know, other options. It's you can mm-hmm. have one of those or you could have two or three of, of the other ones. And when you're outfitting a rifle uh, for 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 day and night utilization, you know, what what can what features can you necessarily do? I don't want to say do without, but um, how do you solve the solution? The, the overall solution is is being able to effectively target while you're wearing nods and of course there's Uh guys out there that say passive only Uh, you know that's that is highly problematic 
in practice uh, yeah. from at least from my angle. It, it doesn't work in all cases. Um, right. I mean, there's there's a whole bend and naming concept and occlusive yeah. and whatnot. But look, get an IR laser. OK, um, get get an IR laser, figure out how to use it. Um, uh-huh. You know, you teach carbine classes where you implement nods. I do, too. Uh-huh. There's a lot of other guys out there. Lodestone Tactical up in Pennsylvania does. Uh, TNBC yeah. does another one. You know, big shout out to those guys, too. Uh, Lodestone's a, a great group of guys. They, they've got some former uh, uh, SF dudes. And, um, you know, th- there's a lot of options out there, folks. There's, there's a lot of options. But figure out how to use that. E- even if you can't get to a class, I've written articles about how to go through the zeroing process. And there's other, there's a lot of other really high quality articles that have been written on that as well. So, you know, yeah, check them out. Yeah. And it, I, I can't stress enough, uh, just to kind of beat that dead horse a little bit that at this day and age, the way things are right now with all the adversaries you may end up facing, whether that's their nation state or gangsters or just crooks, uh, they've all got night vision. And so it's literally you without night vision. You're, that's like going to a gunfight without a gun. I mean, it's really that bad. So, um, and it's, it, unfortunately, it's not something you can really go cheap on. Uh, stay away from digital night vision. That is not to be used in a tactile environment because there's lag time and lag time will kill you. Um, yep. I, I mean, I don't care how good the picture is. It's still, you're going to have a lag time and you know, that, that equals death. Um, if, if you're just sitting in a hide doing some observational work or, or recce or something, then that that's probably acceptable. But yeah, if, if you are out in harm's way, you, you want at the very least, at the very least, some gen two plus HDs, the, the kind of souped up gen two tubes. Um, you know, if, if yeah. you're kind of, if you're kind of chasing the buck, uh, personally, I think it's worth it to go ahead and get gen threes just cause they're going to last longer. You know, you're going to yep. get a better quality picture. Uh, they're going to be a bit more rugged. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a game changer and, and you're basically out of the game. If you don't have them, it's, it's really that, that significant. Um, and you know, like in with our lasers that goes with it, uh, at the low end, you know, some of the hollow sun units, I've run them through the ringer. They work fine. They're I've fairly low. Yeah, yeah they're I fairly low, low powered, but they do the job. They hold a zero, you know, um, I haven't had any fail on them. I have had some Steiners fail on me. Not saying Steiners aren't good, but I have, I had a class. Yeah. We had what we had two Steiners go down and no hollow suns went down. So just saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a Steiner A2 that is just kind of, it, it's kind of the B squad, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not a bad unit, but it's not going to be the, it, it's on a rifle that is not going to be the first one that I pick up. Um, yeah. It's not even going to be the second one that I pick up. So that's, you know, it, it's that purse four for the money is extremely hard Jeez. to beat. Um, all sounds pretty decent, man. I, I you know, I have. I have the the Purse Four, a Hollow Sun, Steiner A2, and a Peck 15, and mm-hmm. 
you know, the, the PEC 15 is, is obviously the go-to with the IR illuminator on it. And, and, um, you know, the, the visible laser for zeroing and confirming zero Uh with the use of a bore sight. And then, you know, you, you're, of course, you're never going to use a visible laser. It's just dumb. Um, you know, in in a tactical, this isn't Hollywood folks, you know, where like, the, the person sees the dot on them and like, oh, where's the guy aiming at me? Like, no, yeah. you can, if, you, if you know the dot is on you, you can see where it's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's but but with an IR laser, it's, it's a must have. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I know you you really preach this in your courses as well, that, you know, that IR laser is still a double edged sword and you really oh, yeah. have to be disciplined in when you when you employ it, how long you employ it. Um, because again, the assumption is that, that, that enemy that you're facing or your adversary also has knots, also has night vision capability. So that, nope. that, you know, it points that, that, that line <laughs> right back to you. Man, one of that reminds me, dude, one of the, one of the biggest ass chewings I ever got. And I mean, it was like, it was bad. I thought, I thought for sure, um, that you know it it wasn't just one of those i was getting hemmed up but it was like you're getting you're getting fired you're not going to be a team leader anymore and this was when i was on (laughs) uh i I was a line infantryman at the time and um we were doing a shoot house but it was uh a whole complex and we were coordinating multiple teams hitting buildings simultaneously and i yeah, your adrenaline gets pumping. It was a live fire, and I left my our laser on. You know, uh-huh. and and we had spent days at this point out there training on, you know, side acquire fire with an IR laser, where you put it up, put it on, you know, paint the target, and then uh-huh. come off of it, and and that's it right you know our laser goes away and man you know the pec 15 is is kind of interesting because if you uh if you press it twice you know the the pressure button that's on the top of the unit if you press it twice it's gonna stay on Uh and man you know and and i'm sitting there we we uh, set up the casualty collection point as soon as we breach the building and we're in the stack getting ready to hit the next room and i had just done a quick ace on my guys we're getting ready to hit the next room and, and, um, all of a sudden, you know, our first sergeant comes in and he, he pulls me aside. Nods are still down. And I mean, he's just ripping into my ass and he's like, you know what you're doing wrong. (laughs) And I, I thought for me, I thought, man, you know, we, we cleared the room. Everything looked good. We, you know, we had the wolf tail out the window, mark the casualty collection point, follow on, you know, is, is coming in. We're, we're good. Uh-huh. And he goes, look down at your feet. And I look down, the laser's still on. And I mean, <laughs> he, he, he said, that is going to get you killed. And man, I, I felt tiny. Like this uh-huh. is, you know, this, this is bad. And, um, but it was one of those, then, then he talked to me later on, once, once we completed the exercise, everything went fine, but he pulled me aside later on after that. And he's like, you know, the reason, the whole reason that we're training like this is there's going to come a day. And this was back in the mid two thousands. Um, it was in between Iraq deployments. And he's like, there's, there's going to come a day 
where the bad guys are going to have IR lasers too. You know, and and mm. when that day happens, you're going to remember this lesson. And you know, here here we are. You know, we were yeah. 15 years removed from that time, and you know, we're there. Yep. Yeah, I man, I, I cherish those uh, those ass chewing moments from you know my youth in the military of having an epic screw up in. Uh, you know, just getting my ass handed to me Be- because those are the lessons you don't forget, you know? Right. Um, that's right. It's like, well, I will never do that again. Um, and you know, and I, I try to, I tell students that when they, you know, they, they have a screw up on the range or in the house or something. It's like, Hey man, yeah, you fucked up, but you're yeah. going to remember this and you're not going to do it again. So there's value in it. And, uh, just press press on i do that with white lights man when 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 uh in the scout course when when guys are out patrolling they're doing their nighttime patrol and it happens it didn't happen in this last class so i can't say it happens in every class but usually up until this last class um it has happened every class where guys are you know i'll tell them they're going out on their first night patrol and i'm like look you know take take your batteries out of your white light because you don't need that for patrolling in the woods. Okay. You're, you're doing a movement to contact. You're conducting a a nighttime ambush. You don't need that white light and it never fails. It never fails. Somebody is, you know, Oh, well I know better or I saw a video on YouTube and I'm cool guy. And you know, I, I've been to this class, that class, the other club where they utilize white light because that stuff is, centered around the, the methodology of teaching there is close quarter battle and room mm-hmm. clearing and and a lot of that knowledge came out of iraq there's absolutely nothing in the world wrong with that but you train for a purpose right and and your yeah. your equipment reflects that as well your equipment selection so if you're moving around in the woods and you know, a, a white light tells an opponent exactly where you are and gives them a target to shoot at um, yep. you know, it, it, I had that conversation. I had a guy who, um, in this last class, he great guy asked a lot of questions and, and I love it when, when Bubba's are asking a lot of questions because it means that they're thinking and this guy mm-hmm. was saying, well, you know, what if we're in a, a defensive OP and, you know, we spot a guy who's like walking up to the OP and use a white light to illuminate him. I said, hold on. Why did you give your position away? Like, let's let's let, let, let's come back. Like, let, let's dial it back a little bit and get to the root of the problem here. Why did you give your position away? If he's walking up to you, but he's not aware that you're there. You might want to call out to him or leave, you know, exit your OP, go to somewhere else. So you don't give that up and call out to him and be like, hey, stop where you're at. And he yeah. can't see you, but you can see him because he's got nods on your head. Hey, you know, and if he continues to be a threat, I mean, it, that goes with positive identification and everything else. And if it's a hostile environment, you can be assured that that guy is probably not alone. And uh-huh. he, he's got some other Bubba's waiting in the woods to see what you do. And if you you illuminate him with a white light, well, now all his other guys, you might blind him. 
but all his other guys have a perfectly great target to shoot at. Yep. Yeah, I just, you know, I chalked that up to like Hollywood training scars or, yep. or, you know, there, there are some instructors out there that they, they shouldn't be instructed. They, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, no, never. They, just lack the experience and uh, or they were law enforcement and you know, not not to dump on law enforcement, but law enforcement's dealing with a very different situation. Uh, right. Law enforcement is not engaging in warfare uh, yeah. and, and nor, nor should they be. Um, yeah. So that's, you know. Right. What, what, what I'm trying to teach absolute worst case scenario stuff and. And, you know, everything I teach is from the point of worst case scenario. So it kind of comes across as a little extreme sometimes, but it's like, hey, I'd, I'd rather you be trained up to this level way up here and your reality ends up a few notches down here somewhere underneath that, under that yep. threshold, um, instead of me just teaching you kind of the what I think. Well, you know, it's only it's probably only going to play out this way for you there, Charlie, where you live. So I'm only going to teach you this level. You know, that that's bullshit. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's not that's not doing them any favors. You're training um, your people to fail at that point. It is, yeah, that's the way exactly. that I look at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's that's if you know you're you're training them for that. And law enforcement, it, I'm glad that you brought that up because I literally had that conversation yesterday um, with a guy who was former law enforcement, went into a completely different line of work. Uh, he was completely fed up with that. And we were talking about, and it was completely out of context. Um, we, we were just having a, a casual conversation and he had been a sheriff's deputy in, in a rural County in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we were talking about that and he, he's huge into, uh, or has got huge into coyote hunting and night vision stuff. And, and so we were having that discussion and, mm -hmm. um, you know, he was saying, he, he literally pointed out all of that without me even bringing it up was saying like a lot of what I learned in doing that, we utilize white light in conjunction with commands and, you know, you, you positively identify a guy and, and you're commanding him to do whatever, but it's still like, it, it's a threat environment, but it's not a dynamic threat environment. Like say dealing with an insurgency or some of the stuff that, that could possibly be, shaping up in a worst case scenario uh -huh. well I, it, to me and this is just one of my personal pet peeves and it's 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 greatly increased over the years but it goes back about probably a good 20 years at least of you know kind of paramilitarizing the police forces um whether it's the way they dress to the equipment they have to their mindset to the training and it, it's it's just driven a wedge between the general public and, and law enforcement in general, um, because it's changed the relationship dynamic. Um, right. And it, I mean, I, yeah, I don't even want to go down that rabbit trail really, but it, it's, it's really made a mess of things. Um, I'm, I'm not no, even sure I, where I, I was I, going I, with that, but <laughs> Yeah, it's no, I mean, it, it's absolutely uh, a valid point that's being made there. They when when you're paramilitarizing a force that's meant to be 
the the tradition of the peace officer, which is kind of a mm-hmm. uniquely American thing. Because yeah, law enforcement yeah. in other countries, you know, dealing with the Iraqi police and then dealing with um, what the, the so-called uh, Afghan National Police. And it, they were uh, in, in even in Europe, police departments are, are meant for for domestic tranquility, not mm-hmm. really problem solving. And, and that's kind of in, in America. It's a uniquely American tradition that we have uh, law enforcement's traditional role has been to problem solve and has been kind of a, a fixture of the community rather mm-hmm. than domestic security. And, yeah. you know, that that's why in, in Europe they call uh, police departments gendarmerie, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the the base or, or the Volkspolizei. Uh, in Germany, you, you you have the the policing of the people. It's a domestic security force. They're not really there to solve, uh, you know, like Bubba got drunk and he smacked his wife around or something on Friday night. Like you, you don't you don't right. have it. They don't they don't do that stuff. That's not what they're there to do. Um, yeah. You know, they're there to, to maintain the power and authority of whatever power structure it is that they represent that's what they're right. that is their mission in life that is what they are there to do and they're going to stamp out any sort of domestic uh challenge to that authority that's that's what they're there to do and, and here in yeah. america traditionally we didn't have that and we're we're sliding in now there's been cities and stuff historically that have that have had this question um, you know, back in the, the formative years of, of organized labor and everything, they, they had a history of that. But at the same time, you know, the 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 classical tale of the night watchman, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the guys who who are really just protecting the populace against something dangerous that will happen, you know, after hours at night or whatever. That That's kind of how policing in America got its genesis and, and really for a long time into the 20th century. That was its role. And yeah. now that's we've really seen authoritarians from the left. It's, it's usually come from the left. The right's done it, too, um, periodically. But it's come from the left where you have a, a leftist organization from the top down. They'll occupy the, the DA's office or the mayor's office in a municipality. And then that it, it reflects in that power structure. We're seeing it very, very vibrantly these days and uh-huh. it's um you know they're getting the mraps they're getting the armor they're wearing the multicam and it's it's you know it's not to denigrate law enforcement at all but it is to say you know there's a question here who what exactly is your purpose in life right um you know and yeah i, and I don't know it's, it's it's a question that that needs resolving well i i think you you, you nailed it down pretty well there with uh, you know how how you describe the how foreign police typically are structured, and and that's a good description. Um, and and that is something that that you know American policing has definitely slidden into, um, where they are simply uh, the Praetorian of the current administration of the current ruling class, and they're there to yep. just enforce the power structure um, and maintain that power structure, regardless of who it is. Um, yep. and yeah, and it, it is not what traditional American policing was or should be. Um, 
but I mean, we're seeing it right now with, you know, the, the constant videos of Australian police, you know, beating little girls up, not having a mask on and the Canadian cops, the RCMP doing what they're doing with the, uh, yeah. you know, the freedom convoys. And, and we've been seeing it here as well. Uh, I think to lesser degrees. And a lot of it is to most countries you go to, there is a centralized police force. There is some, some level of like a national police. Um, right. Whereas we don't really have that here. I mean, you could, you know, you could kind of debate that some of our various alphabet soup agencies kind of fill that niche, but, but you have, you know, elected officials in the form of sheriffs at the county level that, you know, there's a higher level of accountability there because, you know, they're elected. Um, right. And then, of course, your various agencies at the municipal level and the state level and so on and so forth. Um, and so, I think for, you know, the, <laughs> the despots in Washington, it, it's kind of like herding cats, you know? Um, yeah. And they, they kind of, the way they kind of go about doing it now is using, uh, you know, the apparatus of DHS and FEMA and, and a few other organizations. They put out these kind of blanket communiques to every law enforcement agency. So anything that falls under that massive umbrella you know, whether they're freaking railroad police or, I mean, you name it, you know, the postal service police, everybody's got a police force now. Um, right. And so they get fed the same uh, quote unquote Intel um, that comes out of these fusion centers. Yep. Um, the Intel bulletins. Yeah. And it, it's, if, if you, if you ever call the president, Brandon, you're, you're now a terrorist. Oh um, yeah. And, and, <laughs> Don't write it on your mask. You'll be kicked off the plane. Yeah. You know, if you if you get caught reading anything that is not mainstream media, you are now a terrorist. Uh, It's just it's ridiculous. Um, So real quick, man, you you teach the ground rod series of courses, which are I think it is is a must have course for Anybody out there that is concerned at all about their internet tradecraft, um, the the amount of data, the the digital exhaust, so to speak, that is being put out out, out there, um, mm-hmm. you're putting out, and and really personal protection, um, yeah. the the yeah. list of of, of uh, your your POI, which I have up on AmericanPartisan.org, um, with with your course announcements coming up in in Las Vegas. I think that anybody and everybody should absolutely have ground rod one and two. Um, I, I think it, it's not debatable. It is a class that you absolutely need to have. And if you know you take it one time, you should take it several times uh, just to, to digest that information and, and keep it keep it fresh, keep the knowledge sharp because this stuff is in perpetuity. Talk me through a little bit of of what your training goals are and what the students can expect. Well, it, it kind of at its origin point, um, you know, I, I think I discussed this with you before, but I was teaching kind of a, a variation of this to some of my colleagues uh, overseas on deployments um, with a particular intelligence agency. Um, and it, you know, the particular unit we were with, uh, we were, you know, up close and personal with the adversaries we were dealing with or with, you know, the 
the third, you know, the uh, the foreign nationals. Uh, excuse me, I'm kind of delicately dancing around the language so I don't get myself in the trouble. Um, yeah, but it, the point being, I, I saw kind of a, a real um, flippant attitude towards uh, tradecraft in general, um, especially on the kind of the whole tech side of it, the whole digital side of it, um, which our digital footprint's huge. I mean, it just is by virtue of, you know, guys are carrying phones. Um, you know, if, if we're working in cities overseas, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's Bluetooth collectors, there's, you know, your phone could be announcing its Mac address to Wi-Fi hotspots as you drive around it. All of that stuff is mapped, all of it. Um, so, you know, the intelligence organization of that host country or the country that we shouldn't be in or whatever, they they're sucking all that stuff up. They're sucking all that data up. And so, you know, in that particular unit predominantly draws from former, you know, pipe hitters, guys from the soft community. And so they were all about the kinetic side of it and didn't want to really be troubled with that side of it. Um, and so my kind of the concept I was trying to, to drive home was, hey, to be a good operator, this is what you need to be good at first, okay? This this is where you should start um, because, you know, wars are won or lost kind of in the intel space, in the informational space before you even get to the kinetic stage quite often. Um, so, you know, we're missing a huge chunk of this. And... You know, I had a particular guy in the class. He was a former uh, Delta operator, and he he's like, "Hey, man, you should you should teach this back home in the states." You know, I think a, a lot of people could really benefit from this. So I was like, "Oh, okay." So I, uh, you know, I kind of put a little polish on it and started the what I call the ground rod series. Um, so ground rod one, it's two days. Um, essentially, it's it's designed to just take your average Joe off the street, no special tech knowledge whatsoever. Um, and first kind of delineate, you know, what are the threats out there? What are, what's, what am I doing on my laptop or on my phone or playing my Xbox that is a potential threat to me, you know? And so we talk about the kind of overlapping concepts of OPSEC and PERSEC and SIGIN and, you know, what all that means and how it affects you. Um, and so we, we try to develop a real good picture of, of what the threat looks like out there and talk about personal threat modeling, um, you know, because my threat model is going to be different than, you know, the the plumber sitting next to me, his threat model. Um, right. And so it's, it's kind of a personal thing that you have to you know plug all these factors into, kind of do a Carver matrix on and figure out, OK, you know, this is what my this is what my threat model is today could be different tomorrow. But um and then, you know, addressing how we use the Internet, how, you know, what can you do in a web browser that's going to cause you problems and how can you plug those holes, uh, you know, using emails, email safe. How can you make it safer? Should I even use it at all? You know, and there's there's all these chat applications out there and, and you know, it's it's in vogue now to have privacy and to use encryption. And so you have, you know, even even, you know, applications like WhatsApp using the signal protocol and providing encryption and it's still a piece of garbage don't use it 
but it's a selling point because people are actually starting to gain some awareness that, hey, you know, maybe I do need to be kind of concerned about this stuff. Maybe I do have something to hide, you know? And yeah, you do have something to hide. Everybody does. This is why we have doors on bathrooms and curtains on windows. You know, you're damn right you have things to hide and, you know, that's okay. Um, so again, that's kind of just, you know, for the layman coming in, uh, lays it thread out. We do a lot of lab work. Um, we work with a lot of, uh, live computer systems on your laptop. So you get to kind of experiment with all the stuff I'm talking about. Um, and mostly just answer a lot of questions, you know, well, what, what is Bitcoin? You know, what is, it, what is this stuff? What does it matter to me? And what is the dark web? And the way, you know, where'd it come from? And what the heck is it? Um, and then ground route two, it's another two day course. And we just kind of go a little bit deeper down that same, down that same whole, um, same concepts, just a little bit more advanced. Uh, ground route three is where it, it kind of gets different. We employ those tech skills, but I add in some kinetic, um, aspects to it. So we do a oh, yeah. escape and we do an escape and evasion lab. Um, so, you know, all that we do restraint lab, we do you know, lock bypassing and picking, um, you know, we talk about establishing baseline and basic human tradecraft skills. Um, and then we stick the students in a one day field exercise out in the city and they have to not only escape and evade, but they also have to engage in active trade craft as far as uh, recovering a dead drop, laying in a dead drop, uh, doing old school one time pads on the fly while not getting caught, you know, because I got guys running around trying to find them. Um, yeah. You know, and, there, and there's people that ask, what, why the hell would I need to know this? And I'm like, again, I teach from worst case scenario. So, you know, right. fill, fill in the blanks, pick, pick your favorite dystopian movie or novel and put yourself in it. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not saying any of this is going to happen, but I am damn sure saying it could happen. Right. Yeah. You know, um, no, I, and, I mean, that, and, that's and, the and reality hey, in which we live, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, that, you know, one of the biggest things I, I run into with people that are, there's some trepidation about coming to the course because they don't consider themselves tech savvy or a tech person. or That's the whole point of the course. It, 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 I, you don't need to be. It literally is designed for, you know, the knuckle-dragging, you know, dude off the street to be able to come in and, and understand the concepts um and be able to employ that stuff once he walks out the door um and you know on the flip side I, i've had guys with that are you know lifetime professional it security professionals and they're always blown away they're blown away at the stuff that they weren't taught and some of them are angry about it. Like they didn't, why didn't they teach us this stuff? Oh yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know because I mean it, and I ran into this dealing with the NSA periodically, we'd be co-located with them and you know, we'd, you know, we'd share stories and talk tech a little bit. And, um, it's not that they're not good at what they do. They are. It's that it's very, it's very niche. 
it's very they've got a real narrow focus you know you you're going to you know build right. this sprocket and that's all you're going to do you you're going to you know you're going to come over here you're going to polish that sprocket you you're going to you know yep i mean they, they're trained and hired for a task you know and, yeah. and that that specialization exactly there. i mean it you know the military does this with mos's you know you you have your your core skill level tasks that you have to be able to master no matter what the, the your military occupational specialty is and to make you that category of soldier, sailor, airman, marine, whatever, right? You have uh, to master these individual tasks to make you the to make you proficient in your right. job, what you were hired to do. You know, and, and yep. so there, there's also that factor of there's certain things they don't want you to know uh, because that's either outside your lane or it's gonna you're going to know too much to, to mm-hmm. be proficient at one individual skill, you know, but as civilians and we, you know, you and I had this conversation the, the last time that we were together yeah. um, to be proficient as a civilian, you don't, you don't have the infrastructure behind you. You know, we, we don't have the infrastructure. You and I don't have the infrastructure that we had at one point in time in our life. All we have is what we have right now, what I can I can physically touch and what I know in my head and the resources that I can draw on from my immediate local populace. And that's what you've got. That's the best that you can expect. So the more versatile in your skill set that you have that you can develop, the better off you're going to be in in a multitude of of tasks, very much the the Heinlein esque. Uh, quote mm-hmm. of, of, you know, <laughs> specialization is for insects and, you know, all yep. these tasks that you have to be able to master. And, and that's just a fact. It is. And I, you know, it's something I really took to heart was that, that kind of Heinlein concept that, uh, you know, in my mind, you know, that the term operator gets thrown around a lot and it, it's kind of lost any significant meaning, but, but it's generally it's, it's a, uh, a reference to those that are kind of at the, the the tip of the spear, at the pinnacle of of uh, you know that martial skill set, and the way I kind of quantify it is at the lower levels, uh, let's say of the military, you have specialization, you have people that you know they polish that sprocket, and that's what they do. Um, and as you get up to that fine point, you have generalists. They they have to be good at everything. They have to be good at everything that matters. Um, and that's all I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do with these courses is I'm trying to build a proper operator, if I could be allowed that term, um, you know, so that they have a base understanding of, you know, the tech threats out there, the defensive measures that need to be employed anytime they go online or anytime they utilize a phone, uh, depending on what their threat model is, um, and then go into kind of the offensive side of that. Um, and then you start getting into, you know, collecting intelligence and uh, signals intelligence and things that can be turned into actionable intelligence, because as we know, that's what drives a fight, um, yep. a success, a successful fight in, in, in any case. Um, so that's kind of my, my overreaching goal. Um, you know, I, I'm teaching self-preservation. Um, 
and you know, I, 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 I teach shooting as well. And, and I really enjoy shooting classes and CQB and, and things like that. But there's so many places you can get that training. Um, right. There's, you know, I'm not the end all be all in, you know, uh, shooting tactics. Um, there's a lot of different schools out there and there's a lot of good ones. Um, Oh yeah. But there's not, there's not many places that are teaching this kind of trade crap, unfortunately. Uh, and there, there should be more. I think it's, it's that important. Um, because these are the skills that will prevent that gunfight, you know, right. or, or make, make sure that it has a positive outcome at least. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here nodding my head because you know that that's it. it you know, it, it, it's it, it's a level of training that I think goes way beyond what most civilians have even been exposed to. Uh, it's questions that a lot of people probably have, or maybe they don't even have the knowledge necessarily to know to ask them. But, you know, when, when you distill it all down, the gunfight is, is really, this is something I've said uh, many, many, many times, is that the gunfight is one of two things. It's either a culmination of great tactics, or it's a failure of really bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you're either you're you're either initiating contact in which it's pretty much if you've done your part it's pretty much guaranteed you know you, you've got the drop on on your target and you're good to go uh-huh. right yeah. but more often than not gunfights are a failure of really bad tactics and you're having to shoot your way out of a bad situation right and the reality is is you're taking casualties at that point um, yeah. probably even yourself and you know, if, if you don't have that awareness or the training to understand, recognize the signs that this is this is about to go down, that this is what's going to happen. It's, it's real. Things are about to be kinetic. Mm-hmm. Civilians are, are they they need this training for every reason that I can think of. And I think what you've put together absolutely brilliant and and as i said man it's it's required training um you know you're going to be out in las vegas what are the dates on that uh it's grand rod one is the 11th and 12th of march uh and then just rolling right into grand rod two uh the uh 13 14 um and i'm waiting to hear back from the host on the classroom location so that should be coming up shortly but uh yeah we should have plenty of seats at this point um and if you're interested or have questions you can email me and uh and your site answer combat studies group combat studies group it's a blog spot correct yeah combatstudiesgroup.blogspot.com and you've got your store you sell uh some incredible products your um your phone that you sell which i think is is an incredible piece of machinery um nothing but high praise i've been utilizing this thing for for a good while now um and the the features that are packed into this thing 
from you know the, the operating system to everything that it does, I think is is really a must have. There's a little bit of a learning curve with it if you're coming from other, other platforms, um, uh-huh. but uh-huh. It, this is a must have device. Uh, I, I think if if you're at all concerned about your privacy and are really looking to harden yourself in a number of different ways this is this is the way to do it and your store has all those products yeah i i generally recommend people uh, just email me um just to check because our supply lines are just so screwed up right now um just to kind of hit me up and see what what the availability is on phones or laptops or routers or what it, whatever it is that you're after uh because it, it's kind of hit and miss right now so I don't, I don't want to have people, you know, sitting around waiting for six months. Right. But, you know, brother, it, this has been an incredible interview. Um, I know the listeners out there are going to get a whole lot out of it. Every time we talk, man, you know, I'm, I'm constantly just sitting there taking notes because it's, you know, it, it, it's that good. Don't miss an opportunity to train with K combat studies group. You got any last things to put out to the Radio Contra audience? Um, probably the biggest thing is uh, making sure that uh, people are taking advantage of your signals, intelligence, and comms training because that is just a, a direct overlap with what I'm doing and in uh, the stuff that our buddy Sam Culper is doing as well on the intelligence yep. side. Um, it's kind of the trifecta. Um, so those are, those are definite things to look into. And weren't you going to be in Washington in May? Was it? Yes. Uh, got the scout course and the RTO advanced RTO and signals intelligence courses out there in, um, early. Well, I think the, the last couple of days in April is the scout course. It's three day course. And then uh, the RTO course is that first week in May and going to be out in in, uh, eastern Washington for that. So uh, same place that I that I was at uh, last year, we're going to be out there again. Um, Really, really looking forward to that. It's just a it's a beautiful part of the country. It's an amazing group of folks out there that have, um, for lack of a better term, it's a populace that's really been abused by mm-hmm. state level tyranny that is that they're they're very open i mean jay Inslee's government in washington state and uh kate brown over in in oregon too for for the folks that are just south there i have a lot of students from oregon as well i mean they're, they're very open about their at least sympathies towards the chinese communist party and yeah. you know in jay Inslee's <laughs> case inviting ccp business into Washington state with, with a, you know, a big goofy grin and, and talking them up as, as if they're, you know, some model of, of great progress. And I guess to him, you know, is, is being a, uh, a Marxist, um, you know, in, in practice, he doesn't have to admit it. We just judge people by their actions. Um, you know, this guy's a, he's, he's a petty tyrant and, uh-huh. You know, yep. that's the, the COVID lockdowns and draconian measures that have been taken there. Um, you know, those people are really suffering out there and uh, the businesses are really suffering and, and people 
are justifiably angry, but they're also looking for training. And, you know, I'm more than willing to go to those places and train those people because, you know, just just like with you and and, uh, with Culper, with Ford Observer, you know, we all share this ideological goal that there's no better there, there's no more noble task and there is no no better way to be than to share what we know and our professional experience with others and with mm-hmm. offering that to everybody else out there and kind of, you know, um, like Prometheus, bring, bring the fire down and yeah. giving folks a, a fighting chance for what might be shaping up. Yeah. Agreed. But anyway, brother, man, this this has been an incredible interview. It is always an honor, absolute honor to have you on. Um, you know, it, it's I, and I know the Radio Contra audience, which is just growing exponentially by the day, is is really going to get a whole lot out of this, man. I, I know that I did as well. Definitely hit up K. Definitely, you know, check his site. He's got a lot of content that is on there, a lot of older content that's up there that is uh, must read material as well that he has going back. I know uh, I've been reading your work since at least 2015. I know when when uh, I originally put Brushbeater online in uh, on on 11 September 2015 you know you were up and running and and you had a lot of stuff that I was reading almost daily and uh, yeah. so for me it's it it's a huge deal to have you brother pleasure's all mine my friend <laughs> anyway <laughs> folks god bless all of you and you know things might look dark and i'm not going to lie to you stuff stuff might get ugly there's a lot of uncertainty in the world but the way that that we all work through it and we process everything is through training, your training, your level of training, which you should be wasting absolutely no time, sparing absolutely no moment in your life, figuring out how to make yourself better today than you were yesterday in all aspects. Get out there and do it. It's it's the best way that you can do that rather than sitting and lamenting about, you know, this, that and the other that that's really outside of anybody's control. Take control of, of what you can do. Be the change that you want to see in the world. And with that said, God bless all of you. And I'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout out.